0: What's interesting where I see the corporations that are really fighting it, they're losing out on talent. And we have a lot of them call us where the CEO is like, you absolutely have to come back into the office. We can't do culture. We can't do innovation when we're remote. And then they will lose entire technology teams the next week when they make a mandate like that. And they'll call us up and they're like, hey, could you talk to us again about, about being hybrid? And if you look at all the startups that are out there, they don't have office space. They're hiring the best talent all over the world. Uh, everything's in the cloud. They're highly nimble. And if so, if you're a legacy organization and you want to compete against that, you're going to have to come their way. You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready?
1: Welcome to the Future of Work podcast. Uh, Today, my guest is Larry English, And Larry has an amazing background. That's very much aligned with what the world is doing these days. Uh, He's built a, a company called centric consulting. And before Larry built this company, uh, he worked for a large international consulting group and he got burned out by age 25, which is pretty fast burnout, actually. Uh, so a very high energy fellow. And he decided to take off with his newlywed wife and backpack around the world to find the path uh, in life. And he did, uh, after returning home, he, with some like-minded friends, he founded centric with a focus on changing how consulting is done by building a remote company with a mission to create culture of employee and client happiness today, centric has over a thousand team members, uh, and offices throughout the United States and internationally in India. Welcome, Larry.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, Say, you know, uh,
1: one of the things that I know that you've done, you've done many, many things. but one one of the things I know that you've done is is you've you've really created a company that's very much in line with where we are today in the world. So uh, I'd I'd like us today to focus on remote Uh, um, uh, building a remote company, digital first, I think is an important element, uh, certainly within remote, um, culture, terribly critically important and difficult to manage with a remote digitally first company. And lastly, I'd like to talk about corporate responsibility, charitable giving, um. Uh, I think this is an important element that a lot of companies, they talk about culture, they talk about this and that, but they don't really reach out to the communities they work in as you have done. Um, So I'm going to lead that off into you. Let's start with remote, digital first, go from that to culture, and then corporate responsibility. Sounds great. So over to you, my friend. Uh, Tell us about how you built a remote company and why you felt it was important to do so and how that relates to the world today.
0: Sure, so a little over 20 years ago, as you mentioned, we thought we could change how consulting was done. And so we said, what, what would happen if we kept all the good stuff that we love about consulting and got rid of all the bad stuff? And how could we make this center everything on employee happiness and client happiness? And one of the ideas that we came up with was if our employees could be remote when they didn't have to be at a client site, they could have a better life, work-life balance. And so we came up with that premise and we're like, let's try it. We think this is one of the ideas that might work. And this was when (laughs) obviously the technology was not as good there was skepticism clients were reluctant to do it employees were reluctant to hire on when they couldn't physically go to an office but we stuck with it because we could see that our employees really valued this and they had a better lifestyle they had a better work life balance and so we figured out 20 years ago this secret that everybody figured out during the pandemic which was employees could be happier and live a better their you know a better life and they now want to do that and so we saw that 20 years ago and so Um, We saw it and then we just started to work through all of the issues that uh, come with trying to figure out how to do that and there wasn't anything to go on nobody was doing it so you couldn't go look for resources and how and how to do it so we just had to slog through it ourselves. And it's been really fascinating to me to watch the last two years. I watched lots of people post, oh, I, hey, I figured this out in remote work. And we're like, yeah, we we did that. You know, we figured that out 15 years ago. Um, uh, but you're right. Yes, this is great. And so now it's super cool for me because there's just been this huge investment in technology and research and, uh, you know, everybody is trying to make remote even better. And, it, and I knew this was coming. It just I didn't think it would come this fast
1: well you know it's interesting Um, you say it's funny that 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 people are going oh I just discovered this thing (laughs) we we've we've been saying for years that uh, every new generation thinks they discovered peace and sex Uh, (laughs) and uh, they forget that they stand on the shoulders of those that came before them Uh, um, like yourself we've been a remote company for more than three decades Um, and uh, we find um that it's critically valuable um to the lifestyle of the company and and we started with the premise that we said we want to find the best we don't care where they are we don't care what's necessary we only want to find the very best people and then we don't want to disrupt their lives people have families people have their own cultures they have their own things Uh, and it's very expensive to move people around. There's a big cost to that. That's not productive to anybody. It's very disruptive to families. Um, it's very disruptive to a company to bring people in sometimes from far away that don't know what's going on. Um, and we found that remote process. Um, just finding the best, uh, worked brilliantly. And so our C team. Our sea level team is an example. Uh, only two people are even in the same state. Uh, half the people aren't in the same country. Uh, 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 and we've been running that way, like yourself, for multiple decades. And it's so easy. People don't realize how easy it is. Uh, we just talked to a new team member yesterday that will be all the way across the country, about as far away as you can get from me. And we both decided, because we know each other and have known each other for years. We both decided, thank God we're not going to be in the same office because <laughs> we'll work so much better by focusing on work than focusing on the little chit chat and stuff that goes on uh, inside of the office. So, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with you that there are tremendous benefits in building a company like this, but you've built one of, of huge scale that most most people never get to your scale no matter what they do. But you've built one of huge scale. And how did you find that doing it all the layers within a company? Because it's one thing to do it at the uh, executive level. It's another thing to do it throughout the entire company.
0: Yeah, great, great question. So we we were off and running and we had, uh, you know, a good business model and we had a great culture. We loved everybody that we worked with, but we knew to keep them. They were, you know, great, great talent. They Mm -hmm. needed growth opportunity. So we knew we needed to grow as a company. And so we were really worried that as we grew, especially when you're remote, that we were going to compromise our culture. So kind of went out on a research quest to see which companies had scaled and had been able to keep their great culture. And we, we tried to figure out what were the secrets to that. And then we applied those ourselves. And so what we figured out was if you have leaders that match your value system and are leading with your culture in each of the different areas throughout your organization, you can scale to a big size. And so that's what we set out to do is be really careful and not compromise and making sure we hired all leaders that matched our culture and our value system so we were able to scale. Another example of something that we did was, as we got bigger, the senior leadership team, we found that we could not obviously spend time with all the new hires and we were really worried about trying to convey to them what our culture was so they understood it so we actually developed culture training that all of our employees take when they join the company and pre-pandemic we would fly them into a location and spend a day and a half and it's a big investment on our leadership team and it's not just reading from an employee handbook. This is really fun, high energy, and it's sharing our value system and passing on all the stories of how we've lived that culture. So by doing, you know, as an example, a couple of those things, we've been able to scale a remote company and keep our culture strong. Well, you know, it, it's uh,
1: quite candidly, we haven't been as organized at that as you have. Um, uh, we do operate in 54 countries, though, so it, it, it makes that organization a little more challenging. Um, But one of the things that we started off with that I think is important is two core philosophies. Um, One was members first. And members in our jargon is our client, our clients. And so when we make a decision, the first thing we ask ourselves, is this what's best for the members? If it's best for the members, let's continue to look into this. If it's not best for the member, forget we're not doing it period. So we make all of our decisions based around that simple philosophy on the one hand, externally we'll say, and then internally we came with family first and family has two layers for us. It's our corporate responsibility to the individual team members and their personal families. Uh, we take that very seriously, uh, to, to make sure that, um, we're supporting them in every way we can. Uh, and then internally the corporate family um of everybody helping one another sort of i've got your back uh you know you need help today i'm going to help you today Uh, i know i'm busy but i know you've got a a deadline so i'm going to jump in and and help so that that makes a huge difference and those are the two simple philosophies around which we build our remote workplace structure Um, and they seem to work I love I mean, it. Share the same value system. It 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 works. We we've got I will say maybe one percent or certainly less than two percent turnover um, uh, out of hundreds of people. So uh, you know there, there's something to be said for that uh, in terms of people stay either that or we we overpay. I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs> um, But uh, this thing around culture is it's bandied about, but it's something you actually have to live. You can't just talk about it. You can't just have some cute little posters around that everybody ignores and it's basically bad art. Um, You you have to live these cultural issues or it's meaningless. And and how, how do you push
0: that through? How do you, how do you, how do you have people live the culture? great question that so you're exactly right you have to treat your culture this we we do the same way we treat our business strategy so it is something that you actively think about and you design and you manage and when you do that it is integrated throughout your entire business and so uh, as, as an example we translate our value system into Actually, attributes of what we look for when we hire. So we are being really conscious about who we hire, and we don't mm-hmm. compromise on that, because the second you do, you start your culture starts to slide. And so it might mean that we grow slower, but if somebody is not, you know, doesn't match the the that those culture attributes, um, we don't hire. I and mean, we've kind of even broken it down into the things that you can teach and the things that you can't teach. And so those things that you can't teach, if the person doesn't have them, uh, we we won't you know we won't um hire them and they wouldn't be you know quite frankly happy um, in the organization and so i' I'm, uh, I'm gonna interrupt we, something there um, how do you determine
1: that in advance of hiring i i, I know we, we try and do the same thing um and it's very difficult it, and it, you're right it does take longer you you go through five times as many candidates sometimes uh as as other companies do but how how do you understand that innate capacity to blend with your culture in advance. Sure. What's, so your, what's your trick? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. i say, what's your
0: year. trick? Your
1: trick of the trade, what is it?
0: Yeah, uh, so we've experimented a lot over the years. And early on, when we were less sophisticated, it was just um, blunt force. And what I mean by that is we had the, the, the person, the candidate, meet with a lot of people. And we would share our stories and we would ask them certain situations that they were in, how would you handle that? And we're looking for, is that person, do, do they have the attributes? And so an example is because we were a remote company and we were a consulting company and because of what we valued as a company, we look for people that are highly, naturally highly collaborative. That is their bias, is that they will not because it's going to help themselves in any way. They are going to go help. They're kind of like what you mentioned. They're going to help each other out. So we look for that and we would, and we've gotten better about how we screen from that. You can do things around critical behavior interviewing and stuff like that, Uh, but but that's it. It's quantifying those things and then building it into your recruiting process. Yeah,
1: because I think that is, if you're going to have a culture bringing people in that are not disruptive to it and then trying to change them, is a critical element in the secret sauce, if you will, to building a good culture, especially when it's remote. Um, uh, so that that I think of many of the points that you have made, that that's a, a, a very important one uh, overall. Um, uh, um, as you, as you move on to culture and uh, and such, how does that relate to your corporate responsibility, uh, and how does how does that work with scale for you?
0: Sure. Uh, so a couple of things that are really interesting about what's happened with the pandemic <clears throat> and remote is I, what I've seen is people ha- have said, oh, wow, I can, my life is fuller and better and um, and almost a, a, a pr- appreciation for living life to the fullest and what people value. And I think we're also seeing that translate into corporate responsibility, which is interesting. What I mean by that is uh, employee well-being and being a part of the community, employees are now saying, I want to work for companies that, because we can do this, I want to work for companies that actively think about that and do their part for that. And so we've been doing it from the, the very beginning because it's been one of our core values around um, being, you know, making meaningful change in the communities that we serve. And so we've built that into, uh, and we're even trying to take it to the next uh, level of that. And I'll give you a few examples. So we we certainly participate in all the communities and we figure out for that that leadership team and that that office what what is most meaningful to them and how they want to give back in that particular competing and then we're trying to figure out how to do it on a national level and so as an example the all the proceeds from the book that i wrote were going to help to improve the digital divide and we're trying to figure out a way to do that across all of our offices Uh, there's an organization called launch code which helps train people to become knowledge workers and takes them from disadvantaged backgrounds, and we're looking to 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 do that. So I think you're gonna. I think it's awesome. I think you're gonna see, if you want to win the war on talent, which we're in right now, you want you want your you want to support hybrid. You want employee flexibility, and come people want to work for companies that care about uh, social responsibility, corporate responsibility, and the and so I think you're going to see companies. Um, I hope it comes from the right way, but every company's gonna have to do that if they wanna have great workers. Well, you know,
1: I, I, again, you, you and I are very very aligned and parallel in this regard. We, we have uh, established uh, back in 19 or 2016, the, the All Good Workspace Foundation. Uh, and you, you've heard a lot about food waste. Uh, we hear a lot about that uh, in, in the charitable world. And, and we think in terms of space waste, so we take all of the vacancy factor in commercial office spaces, business, and co-working centers, and then we redeploy that uh, space and all of the services that are provided throughout our industry back to charitable organizations okay. on a national basis. Uh, uh, so you know we should talk one one day about uh, setting up a platform for for, for you guys. Uh, because we, you know, space and, and the use of space is the second highest cost of all charitable organizations. Um, and so we've, we have we've set out to solve that problem and, and create more capacity in the, the nonprofit world uh, overall. And, and and agree with you that having a company who has values that they don't just talk about, but that they live um, matters um when when you when you look at that and you look at what's necessary though to operate using your digital first or using digital first as an element in all this how did that work out for you and and how how do you define that, that that digital first approach to accomplish what you're accomplishing
0: sure it's been really interesting. So we we've been designing our company to be virtual and digital first, uh, you know, from the beginning, but even more so in the last, let's say five years, as we've added capability in India, what we realized was we could deliver all of our services virtually to every client. And it actually helps because you don't have to physically have the best person living in your city to to do that. And so we have been actively thinking about, okay, how do we, everything that we provide, every service we provide, how can we deliver this virtually and build all the systems and infrastructure and processes to support that? So we've been, you know, doing that for a long time and it is very possible to do. And, and I think it is a better value proposition for our clients i think it's more cost effective and they get the best talent from any wherever it is um and it get in you get it delivered but there's a lot of things that you have to figure out along the way and what's been interesting is because we're a consulting company we've been helping a lot of organizations and it is just so hard for them you know to to break the mindset of i've been on premise everybody's here all my, you know, my apps are on premise. They're not in the cloud and we're not, you know, so technology's not there, processes are not there, HR policies aren't there. And then all the things that you need to do to lead and keep a, a team cohesive when they're virtual, those things aren't in place. And it's it's a huge learning curve and it's a huge amount of work to, for organizations to get to be digital first, but they're gonna have to, to, to stay in business is my opinion.
1: Yeah, i agree i i completely agree i know the first video system i had in in our original company was in 1982. so you know we, we have been digital first since you know people were using telexes and we were using video uh so i i get it uh and, and i think though that i think it's not as hard certainly not as hard today but i think it's not as hard as a lot of people realize and and your your comment on value to the customer particularly in your business i i know i did a guest stint with deloitte for about three years as a partner during the breakup period of the breaking up the consulting side from the yeah. the and accounting side and i remember we used to charge the clients our hourly rate at 50 or 75 percent for travel time okay so I'm getting paid $450 an hour to sit on an airplane, right? What kind of value does that bring to the client versus, Hey, let's get on a jump on a zoom. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, uh, so the contribution and value to digital first all up and down the food chain. I don't think it's just an operating philosophy, but to your point of the customer, particularly in your business, the value contribution you can make to the customer says we can spend 30% more hours on your project for the same price. And that is a huge, massive contribution in, in value. Um, and so the digital first is not just internal, but you're it's external as well. And, and today we're, we're all migrating to that and I can hardly wait till we're dealing in virtual reality, officing and, holographed there are more than done on stage. And, you know, I, I'm very excited about the next layer because I think it'll add a, a lot of uh, benefit at all, all, all the different layers in the uh, in the food chain.
0: It'll be really interesting. You know, I think the days of flying across the country for a 15 minute meeting are over. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how much business travel comes back and how much I think it'll just be much more optimized face to face smaller um, for the exact right situations that it makes sense uh, but we're I think we're going to see a lot less and, and what corporations they were always nervous they're like I can't see you so I'm not sure you're doing the work but now they've learned that I can trust and it's much more to their advantage cost effectively so I think you're going to see a big movement uh, towards it and, and we're not going to go back to the way things work well and, and like we'll call a meeting sometimes and we'll have somebody
1: in from the UK and someone in from the Netherlands and someone in from the Middle East and someone in from LA. So you, We can bring that talent from all over the world into a single meeting without anybody getting on an airplane. And, and that makes a huge contribution to the company, to our clients. Uh, and I know to yours, I think the day of the traveling salesperson is over. I think that business travel is functionally done, you might have a big deal. You have to sit down and work through contract issues and things like that. But the, hi, I'm here to call on you, schmooze you, take you to lunch, uh, uh, give it, give you a demo. That's all done. I think, Um, I think that's right. that, That was a massive amount of business travel for decades and decades and decades. And that was probably one of the worst jobs anybody could have. Um, you know, it was a terrible job. To have to be on the road all the time, uh, away from your family and and that sort of thing, so I, I I think that part of business travel is over. I think that the part of bringing a full team together, um, uh, the meaningful part, if you will, uh, to really work on high level projects, is will exist. And certainly, I know we have a, a whole bunch of old sayings in our company, and one of them is, you know, contracts don't keep things together, uh, relationships do, Uh, because if you got a 10 year contract with somebody, I promise you, you're going to have a problem somewhere in the lifestyle of that in the life cycle of that project, there's going to be a problem. So it does require relationships and relationships on a personal level are much more important in different parts of the world, as you know, than they are here in our contract driven US philosophy of business. uh, so I think that that'll, that'll certainly be Im, Im,
0: important. So, yeah, um, I would say two things, I'm sorry, uh, no, two, two comments on that. One is learning to build relationships when you are virtual, there's a skill to that, and we actually train people on that. And And I do want to mention to your audience that what we figured out over those 20 years is that we still needed a gathering strategy. It was still important to us, even in a remote model to get together in person. And so as an example, we get everybody together in the U.S. together three times a year when there's not a pandemic going on. And we are, you know, we'll be in Cabo next week um, to get everybody together uh, as kind of our holiday party. And I'm hopeful that we'll return to normalcy in 2022. But I just want to mention it is uh, it reinforces those virtual relationships that were made. And I can't put an ROI on it, but it is hugely important to a culture, even a remote culture to get together face to face.
1: Well, you know, it, it's like you like to see and meet people that are like-minded. Um, uh, and that's part of your cultural thing is, is, is the, the actual physical identity of it. Uh, and I agree, which, which kind of takes to your a final point, I guess I'll, I'll hit, is unlocking uh, hidden talent around the world through this process. You mentioned that you're in the battle for talent. I think in today's world, we all are. Uh, 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 but, uh, in particular in your business, in your industry, there's an extreme battle for talent that goes on, always has, and, and you'll never escape it. How do you think your structure, digital first, uh, uh, uh remote, uh, corporate responsibility, how do you think that helps you to win, uh, the battle for talent?
0: Sure. So a, a couple of areas. One is people want that flexibility. Now they want to work for a company that allows them uh, flexibility. So we have a number of digital nomads that are just traveling around and, uh, you know, they, they're working remotely. We, you want to accommodate those because you're going to get the best talent um, when you do that. So I think, and what we're seeing is people have caught up to us. Uh, most, a lot of people have because we used to win all of <laughs> whenever it came down to that, they're like, oh, you guys are remote and let me work remote and you have a great culture, you know, ding, 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 that wins that. that. Over, but now co- companies have figured out, "Whoa, I can get a lot of great talent and they don't have to be in a 30 mile radius of my organization. I'm going to allow that, too. And so we're trying to figure out what are those next things to keep us ahead um, now that the whole world is going to remote and What's interesting is the corp, the, where I see the corporations that are really fighting it, they're losing out on talent. And we have a lot of them call us where the CEO is like, you absolutely have to come back into the office. We can't do culture. We can't do innovation when we're remote. And then they will lose entire technology teams the next week when they make a mandate like that. And they'll call us up and they're like, hey, could you talk to us again about, about being a hybrid? Um, so I think, and if you look at all the startups that are out there, they don't have office space. They're hiring the best talent all over the world. Uh, that everything's in the cloud, they're highly nimble. And if so, if you're a legacy organization and you wanna compete against that, you're going to have to come their way.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. We we say that every company is an international company. Now, you, yeah. you have an international client, you have an international teammate. Uh, so everybody's an international company. Uh, there's no no question of that. When you talk about digital nomads, uh, I'll throw a little definition. Uh, You know, we we are in the remote working business, uh, virtual offices for decades. And and we look at digital nomads at at three layers. There is the classic image of the digital nomad. I'm going to grab my laptop and my surfboard and I'm going to Bali. You know, that's that's (laughs) I got my backpack and I'm ready to go. Um, uh, But I think there's uh, another couple of layers. There's what we call the slow mad uh a digital slow mat. and this is a person that for three months or six months at a time maybe they live in amsterdam for three months and then they during the winter time they move down to barcelona for three months so they've got a permanent job though it, they're not a gig type person they, they've got a permanent job and they just choose to work a little bit in a different lifestyle and then then there's what we call the lomads uh and lomads are when you look at the way we really work, you're a digital nomad, Okay. I'm a digital nomad. I have three or four places I work from locally. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. And so the work from home, work near home, work in the office, work. Heaven help us from a Starbucks occasionally. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but the work from home and near home combo of hybrid working um uh is very important and we think today people say well where's the best place to build a business center or an office or whatever and we say it's you're much better to build on a bike path than a, than, than a metro path, um, because <laughs> people do want to be five minutes from their home and 30 minutes from their client if you will uh rather than 30 minutes from their home and five minutes from their client um and this is an important thing for people to recognize we did a marketing study back in the late 70s and the study identified that Mm -hmm. okay in terms of where people want to live versus where they want to work versus their client etc and so the work near home um is critically important to blend into the remote working process not just work from home because not all homes are suitable uh you know you've got a nice office library i've got a nice office library uh not everybody has that and so working from your kitchen table sucks uh and and we have to provide in the remote work structure We have to provide that work near-home environment as part of the offering, I think, to get the right people or certainly to keep them.
0: I couldn't agree more. And that's what we see playing out is that work ecosystem where people have different places from different situations that they want to work. And even within the offices, they're reconfiguring offices to have different um, I can't use uh, I can't remember the word that designers use, but it's different spaces. Um, so sure. it might be the phone booth or the coffee bar. It, or those it, things. it ends with spheres, whatever it is. is yeah, it? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you're right. And isn't it wonderful? Isn't it a better way to live and work?
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely is. Well, you've mastered it, my friend. You you built a fabulous company and, and we should all be looking at your leadership and the lessons that you've learned as um, uh, a, a great way to launch it, particularly for new companies. I think you're, you're, you're about new companies starting off. You you have to start this way. If you don't, you will not be competitive either to get the best people or in the marketplace overall. And in all likelihood, uh, you won't be real good at attracting capital. And uh, that's key to growth as, as much as anything else. So, your, your concept of building a remote work company that's technology first, but has a strong culture really is a perfect model. Uh, and uh, you should be uh, very proud of it. Oh, same to you,
0: thank you. Uh,
1: uh, Larry, if uh, someone
0: wants to reach you, uh, how, would, how would they be able to do so? Sure, the easiest way is larryenglish.net and you can get to all of my social from there. Oh, perfect,
1: perfect, that's great. Well, we thank you very much for your time today. You've done a fabulous job. And uh, if you do want to talk about the uh, uh, National Network from the charitable point of view, give us a call. We'd be happy to to see if we can help out somehow.
0: I love it. Thank you. Okay. Take care. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space.
1: Are you ready?